Head to Heart, a podcast to help you connect what you know to how you live. I'm Julie Sparkman, a counselor at Restore Ministries in Birmingham, Alabama, and I am joined by my co-worker and very dear friend, Anna Nash, the woman who keeps me sane and on track. We're glad you're here. Hi, welcome to our second podcast for Restore Ministries, and Today, Anna and I just got back from having a meeting together with an organization, and at one point, he just tossed it out and said, so tell us about yourselves. Don't you hate that when yes. people do that? Hey, this is Anna. Yes, I hate that. Like, tell me about you. Mm-hmm. It's like I get deer in the headlights kind of thing. Uh, but as you started talking about you and who you were, I just thought, you know, I think that's important for people to know about you. And I just wanted to say, so, Anna, tell us about you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, me. So, dear in the headlights. But I got a little practice in that last meeting. Yes. Um, I guess my name is Anna Nash. Just to remind you who I am, I work with Julie and Jennifer at Restore Ministries um, as the publications and publicity girl. Um, I... My world collided with um, Julie Sparkman about four years ago. I was a Southern Bible Belt recovering good girl. Um, And I was very church growing up, very blessed and very grateful for all that was given, all that was put in my spiritual backpack. But I wasn't sure I'd ever truly been challenged to draw out of that and really use it for daily living. Um, And right about that time in my life, um, the Lord just pulled out a lot of stops. God got me to the end of myself in my marriage, um, in my parenting, um, in our financial stability, and all of the comforts that surrounded me, um, my ministry, my role, so much um, of what I drew life from came crashing in right about the time that I stumbled upon Julie Sparkman and idol addiction. And really, idol addiction taught me to apply the gospel to daily living. Um, and you hear folks all the time say, preach the gospel to yourself and um, live as if the gospel is really true. And um, you forget the gospel, so remind yourself of the gospel. And that never really made a ton of sense to me. I always thought the gospel was for the unbeliever um, upon the day of their salvation, which is how I would have defined it. Um, but about that time, with the crash of everything around me, I realized that so much of it had to do with the idols that I was building and the things I was worshiping around me in life apart from God to make my life work. And so Julie taught me through these series um, what all that means. And it was such an amazing experience for me that I um, approached Julie and said, we need to develop this and get to this in the hands of so many around, really, the country, mainly in the South who are very entrenched in church and saturated with um, good, sound spiritual teaching, but there's a missing link there in daily living, knowing the truth and the truth actually setting them free. Mm. And so that's really how I kind of came on board. I cornered Julie in Publix one day when it was pouring Mm. rain. I'd been leaving her voice messages, and I cornered her and said, we can't get out of our car, out to our car with our groceries. Listen, let me talk to you about how many women would um, respond to this material. And so that was kind of the beginning. Mm. I guess it was, Julie, was it three years ago, 2011, 2012? I think it was at least four years ago because then it took us a year to do it. Okay, But so tell yeah. me this, when you say the gospel, like even there, you've said that several times. Right. 
what does that exactly mean? Jesus think, died on the cross for me. Yeah, that, well, that I think mean? I used to would have said Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins and okay. I will have an eternal life if I choose to believe in him and put my trust in him. And he's forgiven all my sins. So what I say now is um, the gospel is good news for hell-deserving sinners like me through the person and work of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And the implications of that are the two things that you teach us in Idol Addiction and in Unhitching from the Crazy Train, for that matter, that the implications of believing that are that I'm a well-provided-for daughter of a king and that my worth and my righteousness is in him and mm. not in myself. Mm. And the, if I live as if those things are really true, I live as a free woman um, in Christ. And I, freedom in Christ was such a cliche to me. Mm-hmm. We, just, yeah. we just throw that one around, don't we? You know, I, 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 yeah, I still even find myself kind of cringing a little bit. Um, and I think about what does that even mean to me personally? What did that mean to me today? Uh, as you and I, we have a semi, semi-disappointing meeting. Um, what does it mean for me as I'm feeling like, wow, that didn't go exactly the way that I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. How do I, quote, apply the gospel there? Right. It is, wow, I, I'm a well-provided for daughter of the king. Thank goodness that this meeting didn't rest on my shoulders. He's going to do with this meeting exactly what it is that he wants to do with this meeting. And my role was to show up, to mm-hmm. be clear. Mm-hmm. But in the same vein, I don't walk away with a responsibility of making it work. Right. So just even enjoying, for me, the freedom came you know, as you and I were processing back and forth, well, that doesn't exactly do, go exactly the way we wanted it to. And we could just rest in, yeah, well, we've sown the seed, and that's our job. And we experienced in that moment, just in that moment, freedom. Because yeah, I'm yeah. a daughter, and I'm not the maker <laughs> yeah. of successful meetings. So just even, just even there. Um, so, all right, well then... Just kind of switching back in to the way that we have attempted to kind of set up the podcast is that we want people to email us and tell us questions that you might have. So, actually, this week we did have a friend of Restore Ministries send us a question. And I think this question is a great question for many out there in our audience. Um, So, her question was, what does it mean to be a codependent, and how do I know if I am one? I think that um, will be a wonderful topic for us to talk about for a few minutes today on the podcast. Mm, yeah, I'm wondering just even as you said the word, what does it mean to be a codependent if, if, if I could just hear the groans in the audience? Oh, I'm so tired of hearing this. I'm so tired of hearing this. Yes, and the first time I had heard that word, I would maybe hear about it here and there. I felt sure it had something to do with alcoholism, and that was all. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, because it had its roots. The original coining of the phrase had its roots uh, with um, it, it, with being a uh, entrenched, addicted, somehow a co addict mm-hmm. with an alcoholic. Okay, um, that's how that's how it began. Mm-hmm. 
But as more research was done, as more of it was named, really we realized that it's a significantly broader definition, uh, impacts a whole, it's a way of relating. It's mm-hmm. not just a really of relating to an alcoholic. It's our way of relating period mm-hmm. can be. Um, so first off, let's just define what that means. What is it to be codependent? There's about a million different definitions, but the first thing I want to say is this is not a new term coined by the psychological community. It is the age old Mm -hmm. idol of people approval. Wow. Very, it's it's just real simple. We're coming up with a different name for it. But if we think of it in terms of people approval, idolatry of a relationship or of a person, it helps us put it into a different category. So for me, when I recognize an element of codependence in myself is when I am looking to a person or relationship to decide how I am going to act. Mm. Uh, Should I talk to her about that? No, I think that might make her really angry. Okay. Who am I looking at to determine what it is that I'm going to do? I'm looking at her. I'm looking at her reaction. Or uh, I'm going to say this in hopes that she will then do this, which will then be exactly what I want her to do. Okay, again, I'm still trying to watch what I do in order to get another person to react in a certain way to bring me back into my state of well-being. So it's really uh, the the person that I am, quote, codependent on is the one that I look to. It's my true north, if you will. It's the one that I look to to determine what it is that I am going to do. And it's often the person that that person has to be in a certain state with me, happy with me, approving of me, Mm -hmm. uh, willing to change um, in order for me to be okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and it can be a spouse, a child, a friend, really anyone that you're in relationship with. Yes, like this for me is a a classic um, acceptable quote, end quote, uh, codependent statement would be, Every mother is as happy as her least happy child, okay? When my emotional well-being is determined by the state of my child, Mm -hmm. I am in that moment relating in a codependent way to that child. I think I'm a little loath to say that person, quote, is a codependent because I think we step in and out and in and out. Yeah, I read just this week in an article about it that we all live with a low level, kind of a low level of codependency at all times, looking for approval of others. Yes. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I really do. And I think that there is also an element, because I can hear, again, um, us hearing, yeah, but if your kid is unhappy, if your best friend mm. is going through a terrible time, of course you're going to be upset, okay? Understand that's not what we're talking about here. What I'm talking about here is that that person's state defines my state. It doesn't impact my state. It makes me feel sad. It defines my state. Uh, I am despairing. Yeah. Well, yeah. So talk about that a little bit more. 
well, I just think about it is as I as I live in and engage in a, a broken world. I hurt. I hurt for my friends uh, when someone loses a job. It hurts. Um, however. If I then have to get on the phone and make 15 phone calls to make certain that they have another job interview and do they have enough money and are they doing this and are they doing that, if something in me kicks into overdrive, that I've got to pull that person out of that pain because, in fact, I'm pulling myself out of that pain, then I know that my action right there, which may look perfectly healthy from the outside, is being driven by something that's very unhealthy. This is not the Father is using me out of a state of rest. I am helping somebody, but it's out of a state of panic. Mm -hmm. No, this person has to be okay. In order for me to be okay, this person has to be okay, and it kicks me into overdrive and causes me to do things that a lot of the time I I, I might not even agree with, but I go on ahead and do them Mm -hmm. because I know um, it's what the other person either w- wants me to do. It's what the other person will then be happy with me for doing. Um, it again, it looks like I'm doing could look like I'm doing something kind and loving, but in yeah. fact, yeah, I'm serving myself. So, serving, loving, giving, sacrificing in a spirit-led way, the behaviors could look very much like the behaviors of a codependent in a dysfunctional way. The entire way to determine whether or not something is codependent or not Mm -hmm. is never by the action itself, but always by who are you looking to to get your cues to decide how it is that you are going to feel or what it is that you are going to do. Who is it that determines that? If I am making 25 phone calls to get my kids homework turned in on time and, and he needs to have somebody to help him do it. And I'm making all these phone calls to get that done. Oftentimes for me, that would be coming out of, he can't fail. He can't fail. He can't fail. I've got to get in there and catch him in that moment right there. If you want to freeze frame it, there is no God. There is no redeemer. I am the redeemer and I have to do it. I have to do it for that person. So my action is not the problem. The problem is my core belief that this cannot be, and Mm. I am the one that's going to prevent this from happening. Mm, Control. Yes. So in wrapping up our time, I think a great practical way to leave this conversation and to leave this podcast is I've heard you talk about that freeze frame. And I think that's such a wonderful, practical bit of advice about codependency. Can you tell the audience a little bit how to use the freeze frame principle, how you use it with your clients um, to look at a situation and to evaluate it? So often, we have been doing life in a certain way for so long that we don't even evaluate it. We've already decided this is what love looks like. Love looks like if you're a mother, it means that you're always taking lunch up to the school. Love looks like if you're a coworker, it means that you cover when the other person has made an error. And we do these things and we don't ever evaluate them. Mm. And again, I'm not saying that either one of those actions is wrong. 
But there are points at which, when you're right in the middle of it, I encourage people, wait a minute, freeze frame, like almost like stop the video right there. Mm. Now, I know that you believe that God is sovereign. But just wondering, this woman right here that's frantically making the phone calls with tears streaming down her face and her stomach in knots, tell me, what does that woman believe? Wow. Because we have to kind of step outside of ourselves. If we have been believers for a while, we tell ourselves what we believe rather than watching what it is that we're doing and working backwards into what it is that we're believing in that moment. Because again, belief is a moment by moment by moment thing. I'm not talking about my justification. I'm not talking about whether or not I'm getting into heaven when I'm talking about belief here. I'm talking about when the rubber meets the road, moment by moment, I am choosing whether or not I'm a well-provided-for daughter and whether or not my righteousness comes from what I do or what Christ has already done for me. Oh, that's great. That's really good. So when, when I'm behaving in a codependent manner, what that means is, is that I am taking my cues as to what to do and how to react in such a way that I can create a change in another person or that I get the response from the other person that I want or that I need. That other person is my true north. I look to them to decide how I am going to behave. It's person idolatry, if you will. And the wonderful tool that we're walking away with is the freeze frame activity, which really helps us determine if we're living out of a codependent spirit, if you will, um, Mm -hmm. or behaving um, in a codependent manner, like you said. And so I just encourage the audience this week to use that freeze frame tool. And when you are feeling like you're spinning out of control in a relationship and the intensity is rising, to freeze frame that moment um, and look back on it and look at truly what was driving you, fear, mm-hmm. anxiety, insecurity, um, lack of control. What was driving you in that moment? I, I, I'm just excited. I, I hadn't thought about that freeze frame principle mm-hmm. in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we freeze frame, we're always going back to the core question. Not what do I believe, because of course I, quote, know the truth. But that person that just behaved in that way, <laughs> yeah. what is that person believing about God? In that moment. Um, Really hits home. Well, do you feel like there's enough to talk about freeze framing um, in our next episode? Would you like to talk about that some more? Yeah. You know, you know, my only my only problem is, and I I think that probably I'm just going to run myself out of a out of business as a counselor because I'm (laughs) I'm doing it all on this and getting it all free. But there you go. And I'll tell everybody again, if you want to ask a question or if there's a topic that you would like discussed please jump on your email and send us an email at info at restore-ministries.org and hopefully we'll get your question answered too. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you. Bye-bye.